Did you ever think you were made it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. Now they run, homie, look what I become. I'm, the, I'm, the I'm Patrick Bedevi, host of ITM. My guest today is Dr. Buttar, who is accusing Fauci, Gates, and the media for using COVID-19 to drive a hidden agenda. This is one I really want to hear your thoughts about because the last time this man spoke in a separate interview, not on our channel, different platform, he got 9.1 million views in six days, and then his interview was taken down. So you may not just want to listen to this, you may also want to share this with others. Dr. Rashid Buttar. Doc, thanks for coming on being a guest on ITM. Thank you, Patrick. So one thing I'd like to do is, uh, since it's so timely, yesterday I was sitting here in my office with my assistant and Mario. We were watching your interview with Gary Frankie. Uh, 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 it could be Franchi or Frankie. Gary uh, from the Next News Network, which I believe got 9.1 million views in six days. While we're watching it, all of a sudden it stops playing. So I refresh it. I refresh it again. It's not playing. Then I had Mario go on his computer to try it, and we had Xenia to try it on her phone. Everywhere was taken down, and I saw you do a video nine hours ago talking about the fact that this video was taken down. Do you know the reason why this video getting 9.1 million views was taken down? If I lived in North Korea or if I lived in other oppressive societies, I would probably say, yes, I know, because it's being censored. But living in the United States, I am a little confused, Patrick, so... I think it's uh, it, it, the label would have to be the same in that censorship. The question is, what's the agenda by censoring the truth? I, I understand that you served in the military, and I appreciate your service. Thank you for that. Thank you. But uh, I think that people like you and I that had worn the uniform for God and country and put our lives on the line, uh, I think that's the reason that we did it was so that we could ensure peace. We could ensure the strength and independence and freedom for those that we loved. And we did it for God and country. And one of those premises, as is stated in the US Constitution, the First Amendment is freedom of speech, which also gives us freedom to assemble and freedom to associate. And I think that this is part and parcel of that very threat that this is what our forefathers had written down, their crystal balls were clear, and they knew what would be coming down the pipeline 250 years later. And these are the reasons that they put this in the US Constitution. And I believe that this is an attack on those fundamental rights as guaranteed to us by the U.S. Constitution. Now, it's interesting you say that because uh, uh, I've seen other videos being taken down on YouTube. I've seen David Icke's video was taken down uh, uh, on, by YouTube because he linked 5G and coronavirus together, saying 5G is the reason why coronavirus is spreading. And a couple other videos that have been taken down. But you're a doctor. You're a qualified doctor. Now, you may be a rebel as a doctor because you're pushing the envelope, but you've been practicing both in the military and on the civilian side. So when you're talking about your opinions on what's taking place today, there isn't anybody that's more at risk than you and your licenses. Wouldn't that be the truth? I mean, meaning you could lose your license if somebody comes at you, right? If you go a little too strong against Fauci and some of these other, uh, other big names. I received a medical uh, a letter from the North Carolina Medical Board yesterday, in fact. And, and what was said in the letter? Well, they were just notifying me that there had been a complaint. It was very clear that the complaint had come from uh, another professional physician, it appeared, just the way it was written. Um, to the Medical Board's credit, they just notified me uh, that there's no action that's needed. 
just letting you know. But it is interesting that, you know, I, Patrick, when, when you served, I'm sure that the thought of what could happen to you may have crossed your mind as it crossed mine, but that wasn't our motivating factor because if it had been, we wouldn't have served. You know, you wouldn't go into military, you wouldn't go into law enforcement, you wouldn't be a firefighter if you think of yourself first before you think of other people. And I think that's an ingredient that is very unique among those who serve to protect others. And, and if, if there's any other, you know, when I, when I say military, I'm talking about including the Coast Guard, I'm talking about search and rescue, I'm talking about all those people that put their lives at a risk on a daily basis for the protection of those that can't protect themselves. So when we start talking about the, on the medical standpoint, it, to me, it's no different. I, I think that from a medical standpoint, medicine is the holiest of holiest professions because we are appointed by an authority, not the medical board or the, or the you know, federal level. I'm talking about the highest authority the, from the creator to take care of his creation. And I feel the same way about veterinarians, but especially with humans. And uh, I just take that responsibility seriously. When you got that letter, did it say a specific name it came from? Did you know who wrote it or no? It was uh... The complaints that have come against me in 29 years of practicing medicine have never once had a name of an individual. They've always been anonymous. Now, Dr. Buchar, have you ever had any kind of interaction or any kind of dealings with Dr. Fauci? No, I have not. Have you ever dealt with anybody close uh, on his team that maybe went to a different place and you had a chance to work with them? Uh, close, yes. I, I Not necessarily work with them, but I know them well and, and they work firsthand with Fauci, yes. Uh, so there's a lot of different topics that people are talking about that this has created the uh, a, a frenzy around. I'm going to say some of them. You tell me which ones at the top of your list that you give the most credence to. So one of them is uh, you're hearing about the Patrick, if I can interrupt you just for a second. Before you do that, I just want to preface it that sometimes people take half-truth and put them together, and then it creates a misdirection or, or a diversion. So if it is something close, I may rephrase what you're saying to make sure there's a clarity as to the position. Please, please do so. I, I absolutely want you to do that. So I'll say the different topics and you tell me, no, I'm not there, but these are the ones that I'm seeing that are issues. If 5G linked to spreading coronavirus. That's, let me preface that. 5G is not linked to spreading coronavirus. 5G has a disruption that it creates in the cell membrane as well as within the actual um, the voltage-gated calcium channels are one thing that have been established in, in research that 5G does affect. And that basically allows for efflux of calcium into the cells, and then that causes other problems, including cancer. It causes a suppression of apoptosis and increased cellular proliferation, which are basically the definitions of cancer. But there are other things that 5G does also, and there's more research going on. There's a, there appears to be a disassociation between the iron and the hemoglobin. I can't explain the pathogenesis exactly. I can explain the pathogenesis if you disassociate iron from hemoglobin, people are going to end up having a hypoxic injury, but I can't explain how it's doing that. But there are a number of other aspects. Over 2,000 studies have been done to associate the negative effects of 5G on the body. Now, we know that to be separate, isolated. When they bring in the COVID-19, remember COVID-19 is causing a problem in the immunocompromised and those that are already susceptible, all right? So this is people that are on drugs that are 
reducing the immune system, for example, post-transplant patients, people that have uh, emphysema, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is traditionally treated by using immunosuppressive drugs like steroids, which decreases your immune system, or the elderly that have other comorbidities. So now you've got a patient population that's already unhealthy. Now, when you introduce anything, I don't care what it is, you can call it, you know, 4H, 5G, 6D, whatever. It doesn't make any difference what technology, what uh, another pathogen, it could be anything. On a, co on a community that is already immunocompromised, you're going to have increased issues, uh, not only just with sickness, but you're going to cause demise. You're going to cause death. So it's going to, by definition, increase mortality. So if you have a patient population that's already delicate, that's already uh, hampered, their immune system's already damaged, then yes, 5G will have a massive effect on it. I don't care whether it's COVID-19. I don't care what it is. 5G is going to have a detrimental effect on the human system, on the physiological system, not just humans, on animals, on everything. So that's the issue with 5G. 5G is part of a exacerbation trigger. It is not the trigger itself. It is not the cause. It is something that contributes to and makes that situation worse, just as other components such as toxicology. Okay, and that's where if you look at Wuhan, it all started with the pollution, the, the incinerators that were burning, and BBC and CNN covered that. This was in the second video. So we actually, I, I don't want to start just rambling here, but there, there are a number of different components, and those were all covered in COVID-19 conspiracy question mark. It was a question that was asked, and then the answers were uh, basically presented. The, the, I started with the premise that this is a question. I'm not trying to convince anybody. Here's the science. You decide. Facts versus Fiction was the first video, got millions of views, still up, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Second one came out, Toxicology Ignored. Interestingly enough, we, we ignore toxicology, but the video was also ignored. It was the least watched of the series. Third one came out, Corrupted Science, hit almost a million views. Fourth one, 5G and Immunity. Sixth one, Deceptive Agenda. Uh, fifth one, Deceptive Agenda. The three, four, and five, as it hit a million, within two, three days, boom, taken off YouTube, taken off Facebook. So... I realized that there was something strange here. You have to understand that 5G is, was, is just one of those components. Think of it as a think of it as a three-legged chair. All right, one leg by itself is not going to hold that chair up, but all three legs together, and, and possibly four legs, will now give stability to that chair. And that's what the issue is. And that's what I'm trying to help people to understand. 5G is a component. Without without just 5G by itself, it's going to cause health implications. But 5G on top of a toxic body on top of uh, an infectious process, now you're talking about a different story. Let, let me ask you this, uh, before I go into all these uh, topics, what, what is it that you're talking about that's pushing some hot buttons that you're noticing the videos are going, uh, being taken out? Meaning, it, it, you got many topics to talk about. If you talk about Big Pharma, Fauci, Gates, CDC, World Health Organization, you know, vaccine, anti-vaccine, you know, any of this stuff, which one are you noticing is triggering the biggest sensitivity where people are coming after you? Which topic? Interestingly, I believe it's 5G. Why do you think that is? Why, why, why is it that 5G is creating so much of a sensitivity here? I could say it's a rhetorical question because I think the part that's the most sensitive, that the one that they're scared of the most is the one that they're going to probably shun. Um, I think a lot of these other components, it's self-evident. It's out there. The patents are there. The people are speaking. Um, there's, you know, controversy in some of these things. And again, whatever you label the truth, you can label as, cons uh, as a conspiracy or as controversial or whatever. Facts remain facts, right? You can't just change a fact by mislabeling it. And I think that the attention that 
is brought to 5G by it being censored in itself shows the proof in the pudding that there's something that they don't want to suppress. And in fact, Patrick, the, the strange thing to me is that as of January of this year, maybe even February this year, 2020, I knew 5G wasn't good, but I was like most doctors. It was like, yeah, it's not good. And that's it. You know, it's, but we, we'll do this, we'll do that. It wasn't until I started working on the fourth video and then the third video and the fourth video. And again, this is in response to patients asking me, right? I sent out a, a somebody had asked me a question, another person, another person, these are patients of mine. And so I just put out in social media, hey, if you guys want me to make a video on this, just let me know. I figured a couple of people would say yes. I had 780 responses in like 12 hours. And my social media platform was, you know, very, very anemic. I, I don't really do much of that. In the last two weeks, it's just blown up like in, insane. But I, I didn't realize how much people wanted this information. And so, okay, you know, before I say something, I want to make sure that it's factual. And I started going through it and there were rabbit holes that I went down. And I have learned more about 5G than I ever wanted to. And I wish I didn't know what I have learned already. And I'm still learning more. And the facts are this. If 2,000 studies have been done showing a direct correlation between 5G and suppression of the immune system and increase in cancer correlation and many other health implications, including neurological deficits that have been created. And that data has then been manipulated, reported either incorrectly or two, countered by other studies being done by the bodies that are vested in 5G. In other words, there's a massive conflict of interest. And then the organizations that are responsible for safeguarding us, i.e. the World Health Organization, the Centers for Disease Control, et cetera, et cetera, when they look at it and then they take the stance that supports the stance of rolling out 5G and the companies that, have, that are vested in it by supporting the research that they did, which is already riddled with conflict of interest, and ignoring the unbiased research, which is clear, there lies in the problem. Has the last 24 hours with this video taken down kind of influenced you to be a little bit more careful with what you talk about and the words you choose? Uh, are you feeling like you're walking on eggshells right now where you're worried about your license or any of that or not at all? What I'm worried about, Patrick, is that if this doesn't get rectified and gets rectified in the very, very near future within the next few weeks, that our world, and when I say our world, I'm not just talking about where I live or where you live, but our world, our planet is going to be a different place and our children will never, never have the same opportunity as we did. They will be sicker. They will be controlled. They will not have any privacy. They will not have any future and their children may never exist because this will usher in what I believe will be the next phase, which is extinction of the human race. Because what's being created right now, what's being created with this 5G network and how it's being rolled out right now while everybody's being kept at home is more than disturbing. It's not just in the US, it's in the UK, it's in Germany. The people that are following me now all over the world in Russia, everywhere it's rolling out. In fact, just recently, there was some information that was sent to me that was shared with me by a leading uh, researcher, with the Russian military who basically came out and said that this entire COVID-19 is part and parcel of a depopulation agenda on a global scale. And you know, we've heard this type of information before. Some would call it conspiratorial, some would say it's rhetoric. But look, right now, you would have to be blind and deaf and dead and buried six foot under to not recognize that what is happening is not normal and is not justified.
More doctors are not coming out and talking about this. The numbers don't add up. It's very, very simple. You can look at the math. You can look at the causes of the death. You can look at how things are reported. And because they can't justify the numbers, they're now manipulating the numbers. They're now adding numbers to it. In other words, the number of deaths weren't sufficient to justify this. So they're now having not nurses and doctors change death certificates after the patients have died. They, have, they are furloughing nurses. They're telling doctors to go home. Emergency rooms and ICUs all throughout the world are idle. They have massive uh, facilities set up for emergency for COVID-19, completely empty. You've seen those videos. You've seen the pictures. It's all over. We put some of that stuff out on, on video five and on the deceptive agenda. That was a couple of weeks ago. We only put an abbreviated version up on YouTube and Facebook and they took that down. But the whole thing is available and we've put that out. And in fact, my plan is that when the part six is released here in the next few days, we're going to allow the whole world to just download those videos because you can censor it maybe on YouTube and Facebook, but you can't censor it from people's own devices. And my agenda is very simple, is to inform people because you know as well as I and anybody that's of reasonable intellect understands that the only way that you can control people is by keeping them in ignorance. But as soon as a person becomes empowered with knowledge, the one thing is that nobody can control you once you are aware. You cannot be victimized once you're aware and once you've been empowered with knowledge. You know, uh, I'm, I'm of uh, the creative mind. I have a very creative mind. I'm the guy that's always imagining stuff. What if this? I'm a dreamer myself since I was a kid. So you know how sometimes you watch a movie like Minority Report and, oh, my gosh, you're going to put these chips in us and they're going to do this. And you watch these uh, movies, uh, uh, Contagion, you know, shot 10 years ago with Matt Damon, I believe. And how did they know this was going to take place? Or Gates' talk that he gave in TED Talks in 2015. And, you know, they're trying to uh, push this pan pandemic that's coming here. But also at the same time, I'm in the insurance industry. So I have the uh, logic and the emotion, and I try to balance it out right in the middle is when I typically make the best decisions. Even though I want to put some credibility behind that and say, okay, we're going in the direction where the people of power want to do something and they want to challenge and they want to depopulate. I sell life insurance. Life insurance cost of insurance is a formula that actuaries come out with based on life expectancy. Life insurance has never been cheaper than it is today. Never. It's the cheapest it's ever been today. And if you go back and look at the numbers of life expectancy, you'll see a lot of people that are on the opposite side. Because in my family, we have those who are comfortable taking vaccines, those who are not comfortable taking vaccines, and those who are in the middle saying, I just want the choice. Don't force me to do it. If I choose to do it, I want to choose to do it. But don't tell me my kids have to take it if I want to go to this school. I'm not with that. Allow me to choose which direction I want to go. So if life expectancy is going higher, some would say that is a byproduct, better medicine, progress in medicine, and better doctors. If that's the case, some of these conspiracies or these stories that are coming out that they're trying to depopulate, it would contradict that, wouldn't it? Yes, if you just looked at it from those perspectives and from those facts that you just presented. But you need to look at the full picture. And the full picture is this. In medicine, acute care, trauma care, penetrating trauma, blunt trauma, um, acute injuries, those type of things, we have made phenomenal advances, phenomenal advances. But when you start looking at chronic disease, cancer, heart disease, they're at the highest that they've ever been. And they're continuously increasing the cause of death. I mean, right now, cancer in North America, one out of two men and one out of three women will at some point in their life experience cancer. That's a disturbing fact. And this is data that goes back 
15, 20 years. This is the National Cancer Institute and the American Cancer Society data that they've, that they've shown. So if you look at causes of death, according to the World Health Organization in 1999 and 2000, causes of death in the industrialized world. Now, in, in the third world countries, it's usually uh, hygiene and infectious processes. But in the industrialized world, in the modern world, cancer, heart disease, third is iatrogenic, fourth is neurodegenerative. So let's just take iatrogenic out. But if you look at heart disease and cancer, 80% of people that are dying on our planet, when, and I'm, when I say 80%, I'm talking about 80% of all deaths, homicide, suicide, natural disasters, motor vehicle accidents, all of the diseases put together, uh, wars, everything. You put all those things together, eight out of 10 people are dying from cancer or heart disease. Now, that's a disturbing thing. You know, we talk about the murders and we talk about the car accidents. We talk about the wars. We talk about the tsunamis. We talk about the hurricanes. We talk about the, the earthquakes. But you, that represents, all of that represents less than 20%. Now, add neurodegenerative disease to it, that number goes to 92% of causes of death are heart disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative disease. So only 8% of people are dying from all of the medical conditions and all of the causes of death, trauma, wars, natural disasters, 8%. So now hopefully that starts to make people go, what? 92% of people are dying of heart disease, cancer, and neurodegenerative disease? That's the fact. Now, those are chronic things. If we're doing so well in medicine, if we've done so well, then why is that 92% of causes of death are those conditions? And by the way, the third leading cause of death that I kind of bypass, I said iatrogenic. Do you know what that means? No. Most people don't. Iatrogenic means it's a medical term. The medical professions come up with their own term to define doctor-induced death. Iatrogenic causes is medical, uh, doctor-related, drug-related, pharmaceutical-related deaths. The third leading cause of death. This is data that was presented in wow. the Journal of the American Medical Association as presented as data that was collected by John Hopkins University. Now, this here's the John thing. Hopkins University. John Hopkins University put this data out, and it was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. This is, this is data that's almost 15 years old. Now, let me tell you what the interesting thing is. There were people that came out and attacked that study, all right? And do you know what their defense was, Patrick? That that data was not accurate, that iatrogenic causes of death were not the third leading cause of death. They were only the fifth leading cause of death. That was their defense. Now, now you tell me, you come back to the same statement that you made about the life insurance and the life expectancy. Let's take it to the next level from there. Some people will say, well, we have better diagnostics and we have better uh, therapeutics that are available to us. And that's why people are living longer and healthier. And yet I just showed you what the actual data is. So I'll tell you why people are living longer because you have and I have the ability to flip on a switch and have air conditioning. And because we can flip on a, a tap and we can have running water. And because we don't have to get out of our house and walk 60 feet to an open hole and do our business in the mornings there. Because we have better hygiene. We have better processes of living and allowing our, our bodies to live more comfortably. That's one reason age uh, lifespan has increased because we've been able to manipulate our environment to make life more comfortable. And that's the reason that we are having longer lifespans because we can control our environment easier. You know, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, we couldn't control our environment like that. You had, people were still living, there wasn't running water, wasn't available. Uh, people were still living in housing that didn't have electricity. You know, this is just 200 years ago. There's a massive change that's occurred in the last couple of hundred years. And when the process of automation started and, and you know, cars and then planes, 
and transportation and communication, those are the reasons that we have better, uh, better lifespans now, not because of medicine or the changes in medicine. In fact, anything, you own a computer, I'm sure. You own a phone, correct? Okay, so you know these innovations where the new iPhone comes out and the new computer comes out? You buy a computer, within like six hours, it's already obsolete because somebody's yep. come up with a better computer. Okay, if medicine was like the technology industry, our laptops would be the size of a 20-foot building, 20-story building, you know, with 300 by 300 square feet. I mean, we, we would be that archaic. That sure. our, our phones can have, that has more processing power now than ever before, than the, or the computers from 60 years ago that house, were housed in huge buildings. Medicine is the same way. And we beat down any type of innovation. We beat it down. We ostracize those people that are innovative. We condemn them. We minimize them. We villainize them. And then we prosecute them. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example so that you know that I'm not just exaggerating. I mean, you can look back in history. You can look at Copernicus. You can look at all these different people. One of my favorite examples, and I wrote a story about about this guy, his name was Semmelweis. And Semmelweis came before Leeuwenhoek, who discovered the microscope. So Semmelweis noticed that every time he delivered a baby, and then he'd go and deliver some, another baby, the rate of mortality, the number of women that were dying, and, and babies that were dying, he felt was very disturbing, which I don't remember what it was. It was like half the women would die, okay? And he felt that that was wrong. So what he started doing was he started, between deliveries with all the blood on his hand, he started cleaning his hands, with a mixture of lime and warm water. That's all he did. And he noticed that people, this is a couple hundred years ago now, he noticed that the people he was working on weren't dying as much. He was able to reduce the mortality rate significantly, like down to 10% or maybe even lesser. So now he's gone from half the women that he's delivering babies dying to only 10% that are dying. And so he makes this observation. And remember, Socrates said that the purest form of science is what? Is observation. And then you form a hypothesis, then you test that hypothesis, and then you see how many times it recurs. And that's how science is formed. So he observed this. He told one of his students the same thing. The students started doing the same thing, same results. So then they start telling other doctors. And other doctors start doing it. And guess what they saw? Same results. And then they went out to the medical hierarchy. And that's when everything started changing. He ended up dying in a mental asylum ostracized by his family for being a lunatic, for washing his hands against these imaginary things that didn't exist because nobody discovered the microscope yet. And he was ostracized by the medical community and he died penniless in an insane asylum by himself. Today, Samuel Wise is a hero and nobody would go between patients for when they, without washing their hands. It would be malpractice. And surgeons and nurses, when they go into the operating room, we scrub our hands. But you see how he was way ahead of his time. His only crime was he was ahead of his time. So when we start looking at some of these things, we have a prevalence for believing what comes out as evidence-based medicine. Now, it sounds great, evidence-based, based on the evidence, isn't it? Okay, I would, I'm go all for that, 100%. But evidence-based medicine is now defined as a double-blind, placebo-controlled, multi-centered crossover trial. That's what they call evidence-based. And what is it that doing? It's collecting a bunch of facts. Fine. But what they do is they take those facts and they call that science. That's like calling a bunch of bricks a building. Yes, a building is built upon uh, a building is built upon bricks, just like science is built upon facts. But a pile of facts is no more science than a pile of bricks is a building. And this is one thing that we have to start understanding in, in medicine and in science. We need to look at the picture. Current uh, methodology and the thought process 
And I can tell you example after example of this. And I see my colleagues doing this. And some of these guys are good guys, okay? They're not malicious. They're not, they're good doctors. But the mindset is every time I see a fire engine, I see fire. Uh, every, every time I see a fire engine, I see fires. Therefore, I conclude that fire engines cause fires. Now, you and I know that's ludicrous, but that's the mentality. Rather than seeing causation, right? They're not looking at causation. They're not looking at there's a difference between the result or the, or, or the cause. And, and starting back and looking at the pathogenesis of things is, is necessary if you are going to be able to help people get better. So you said a lot of things. I'm going to try to unpack some of the things that you said here. Uh, one, you said medical innovation. Uh, they're beating them down. People are coming up with innovation. They are beating them down. Who is they? Who are they? The medical hierarchy. It, they're not vested in it. You know, there was a Flexner report that came out maybe 100 years ago. And the Flexner report's purpose was to discredit homeopathy. And homeopathy was a very widely used, very prevalent method of treating people at that time. And in fact, during the Civil War, all the doctors used homeopathy. But after the Flexner Report came out, their purpose was to discredit natural medicine, to discredit homeopathy, to discredit any other modality of treatment except for the current prevailing model, which is pharmaceutical intervention. Medicine is based on healing the body. That's what medicine's supposed to be. So then don't you think that if that's the goal, don't you think we should know how the body works? And that's why we learn physiology. But in medical school, we learn very little physiology and we learn everything else pharmacology. And pharmacology is putting drugs into the body. We're not looking at how the body works. And most pharmacological interventions, the vast majority, 99.9%, are designed to inhibit a process. Each cell in our bodies has over 100,000 reactions per second occurring, every cell. Pharmaceuticals go in, as a, as a general rule, go in and they inhibit, they block, they suppress, they stop a reaction from going forward. Whereas non-pharmaceutical things, natural things, are designed more to enhance uh, and open up pathways. And so when you start to inhibit a pathway or stop or, or block something, you might be smart enough and I might be smart enough to know, okay, inhibiting that one pathway, that one reaction, okay, we can see that. But what about the other 99,999 components, steps that are going on? per second in every cell. We don't understand. And when we start doing these things and we don't understand what we're doing, you know what they call side effects when they talk about drug side effects? Those are not side effects. Those are primary effects. We call them side effects because they're not desired. But why do we call them side effects? We call them side effects because we don't desire them, so we call them the side effect. But it's a, it's a direct effect. You see even the nomenclature, how we change it to make ourselves feel better and to, to let the rest of the world know. The United States is only one of two countries that allows for pharmaceutical companies to advertise. It's, it's United States and New Zealand. No other country allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise. Why is that? In fact, in our country, we didn't allow it till the 1970s and 1980s. Why is that? Have you, have you ever listened to those ads? You know, they'll show person, you know, the pharmaceutical ads where they talk about drugs and, and they show people frolicking on the beach and while the narrator in the background is talking about, you know, this could cause side effects such as death and, you know, uh, loss of life, et cetera, et cetera. They're desensitizing us. So when I say they, I'm talking about the medical hierarchy. And it all starts back. And, you know, again, you, I, I'm not a historian, but I think, I think that we just need to study history and make sure that we don't repeat history. And this goes all the way back to the Flexner Report. Who, who came up with the Flexner Report? What was their purpose with the Flexner Report? You're the journalist, my friend. I challenge you to go and look at the Flexner Report and see where it all started. 
Fair enough. Next, next question here is when you're talking about when you were talking about the medical uh, advancement compared to uh, technology, the computer. The computer could be a twenty build, you know, twenty story building, whatever we have right now that I'm looking at. And you're saying that medical advancements not been the same as technology. Is that a correct statement? Without a doubt, yes, absolutely. Okay. So, but then you got some arguments on the opposite side. Ken Langone, who is one of the original investors in Home Depot, very successful guys, worth four billion dollars. In his book uh, called I Love Capitalism, he says his father died in his 60s. And he says the reason why his father died in his 60s, if he had a blood thinner, the simple medicine of taking a blood thinner, he would have lived another 20 years. My dad's 78 as of last week. He's had three stents in his heart, 13 heart attacks. When he died, Doc said he got 13 more years. Half his heart is black. You know what that means. He's lived all these years because of being able to take blood thinners. So again, for me, somebody who's not in your world, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in your world. I'm, I'm just like a viewer's watching and saying, I'm not in the world. I'm seeing progress on people living longer. In the insurance side, there's a complete different business that's been started in the, next, uh, the last 20 years. I don't know if you've heard about life settlement. Life settlement is a whole new business, which a company grew, uh, a massive company grew selling life settlement. What they were doing is you have a 78-year-old client whose premium is now $1,000 a month, $10,000 a month. They can't afford it, but they have a $5 million policy. They'll come to me and I'll say, I'll pay you 15% on that $5 million policy. Here's $750,000, but you're going to change the beneficiary to me with the hopes that when you die, that $5 million goes to me and I have to make the premiums. These life settlement companies that are buying these policies are saying, we had this person dying at 82. He's 88, still alive. 89, still alive. So, there is, there is some of that argument that's making people live longer with the advancement we're making in medicine. So as much as I want to be skeptical, a simple person who's not in the world sees it and say, then why are all these relatives living longer than they did before? Well, then you could ask the same question is, why do I have patients from 93 countries? Um, and we just looked at our data and we have 14 patients that have had risk that had um, most of them had received chemo and radiation. They had stage four cancer. They were told that they were going to die. Their, their lives were at an end. They had to get hospice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the numbers just came back. We have 14 patients that are stage four cancer that are 15 years out from our treatment. And yet, you know, I mean, I can, I can go into more specific details, but you're, you're asking a question that I agree with that we have made massive advances, but in acute trauma, in acute medicine, not in chronic medicine. We have done nothing but it's palliative. And based on the advances we've had, we should easily be keeping many more people alive, but it is not being done. So when you start looking at heart disease, I'll give you an example. Again, I can't say who my patients are, but this particular individual has been on ESPN, CNBC. He's publicly come out and said, and he's had multiple heart stents put. This is uh, the father of NASCAR. What they refer to his father of NASCAR. This is uh, Ned Jarrett. Okay, he's been a patient of mine for almost 20 years. He's in his late 80s. He is, he, all I can tell you is that in his, what he tells me is that if it wasn't for what we did for him, he'd be dead right now. And I can tell you there's thousands of patients like that. And those are, most of the patients that come to me, they're not people that are just coming, you know, because they got a hangnail or, or they've got a cold. They're coming to me because they've already failed the conventional treatment. They've already failed the pharmaceutical intervention. They've already failed the stent placement. They've already failed the cabbage treatment. So they've had multiple cabbages, coronary artery bypass graft, the bypass surgeries. They've already failed the, the traditional 
therapies. And when they come, we have to now undo the damage and we have to then rebuild the system. The body is an innate, has an innate intelligence within it that if we just allow it to do its job, it takes care of it. We as man come in and we start to screw up things. And I'm not saying that there's not certain places for certain things. Patrick, don't get me wrong. I mean, again, I was trained in, you know, I started my training in general surgery. I, I, I taught with the JMRTC, Joint Medical Readiness Training Command. I taught advanced trauma life support to the American College of Surgeons, uh, advanced cardiac life support to the American College of Cardiology and pediatric advanced life support. These are all acute care medical courses for doctors. So I, I believe me, I know the, how much of an advance we've made in acute care medicine. But when it comes to chronic medicine, it's palliative at best, at best. You look at the statistics of people that are dying from cancer. You look at the incidence of cancer. I mean, look, look at the incidence of cancer. Cancer has increased, the rate of cancer increase and the rate of heart disease. So if we're doing so well, then why are we having more and more people getting heart disease and cancer? It doesn't make any sense. And yet it's a very, very simple component. When I say simple, it's not easy to do, but it's simple from a philosophical standpoint. The presidential report in 2010 came out. It was a 243-page report called the uh, President, Annual President's Cancer Report. And I can summarize that 243-page document, maybe it's 247 pages. When you come to that document, you go through it, the conclusion, Patrick, was that cancer is an environmental issue, and we need to start addressing the environment. But are we really doing that? And I think this part of the part question that you're bringing up and part of what I wanted to talk about is that toxicological component. And when you look at toxicology, you're not just talking about the chemicals and the additives and the metals, but you're also talking about the outgassing, the combustion fossil fuel. You're also talking about other components like the 5G. So I have a philosophy. It's called the seven toxicities. And if you can, the mechanism of those seven toxicities for all pathology, no matter what kind of disease you're talking about, cancer, heart disease, whatever, it's all based on oxidative stress. You know what oxidative stress is? You've heard that term? Okay. I've heard it before. I don't know what it is. All right. So let me give you a, a, a graphical depiction so you understand. Um, so when I talk about free radical damage, you know, I, I should joke about it. I'm not talking about the extremists, um, you being from Iran, me being from, being originally from Pakistan. So I'm talking about free radical. Free radical is a atom that I'm not, I'm not going to try to get too technical, but it's an atom that's destabilized and has a net positive charge. It's searching for another electron to stabilize itself. So manifesting it, what does, it, what does that mean? Sh show me what an example of a free radical damage is or oxidative stress, uh, oxidative stress is. You take a banana, you cut it in half. In five minutes, it starts turning brown. Or an apple, you see you're turning brown. That's oxidative stress, okay? It's happening all the time. And there's certain things that accelerate oxidative stress. Now, there's oxidative When you eat, for example, when you exercise, you're increasing oxidative stress. But that's a good kind of oxidative stress because it is allowing the body to to uh, it's, it's, a, it's a new and old and it's, it's a cycle that's going on. But certain things on a chronic level will then exacerbate that oxidative stress. And the more oxidative stress that we have, the more damage we're creating to our body. Now there's my philosophy, seven toxicities, which I talk about in my book. The seven toxicities are one, heavy metal toxicity. Two, persistent organic pollutants. Those are the chemicals, all right? The fluorine uh, hydrocarbons, the organophosphates, et cetera. Third one is opportunistics. That's the bacteria, viruses, spirochetes, mycoplasma, yeast. That's where COVID-19 falls in. Fourth one is energetic toxicity. This is the ambient cell phone radiation, microwaves, uh, radio frequency, uh, electromagnetic fields, et cetera, et cetera. Fifth one, if there's going to be one that's more important than anything else, fifth one is the emotional psychological one, all right? If there's going to be one more important than the rest, it would have to be that one. Sixth one is foods, but not what we're taking into our bodies, what we do to our foods, the homogenization, pasteurization, irradiation, genetic modification. And the sixth one, uh, the sixth 
this um, fifth one was emotional, psychological, sixth one is foods, and this last one, seventh one is spiritual. So these are the seven toxicities. If you look at the current state that's going on, again, who, whose agenda it is, you know, if you watch part five, I think it becomes pretty clear, but I'm not going to go into that on, on, your talk, on your talk unless you ask me about it. You can start figuring out who these people are and what their hierarchy, what, what, their, what the hierarchy is and what their agenda is. Again, I'm not a historian. I'm a clinician, and I'm just seeing what I'm seeing. These seven toxicities, are the, are the first six of the seven toxicities have been hit with this current pandemic. One, metals, combustion of fossil fuel. It all started in Wuhan, combustion of fossil fuels, outgassing in, in the incinerator burnings. CNN, BBC covered it, mass outcries, global attention to this issue, right? So these, this population was already toxic. Second, persistent organic pollutants and other chemicals and things. We've been getting vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. My question, the question that I would want to ask, how many of these people that have died of COVID-19 supposedly actually had the H1N1 flu shot, had the covalent flu shot, had the trivalent flu shot, had other adult vaccines? Nobody's reporting that. That's what I want to know. And I can tell you what a story back in H1N1 when that happened, I actually put out a couple of videos and according to some people, millions of lives were saved because of the video I put out. But again, it was questioning. And there were other doctors that came out too questioning, why are we, what, what's this H1N1? So the fourth toxicity is, is the energetics, okay? That's, the, that's what we're talking about, the ambient cell phone, radiation, dirty energy, et cetera, et cetera. Fifth one, emotional, psychological. What do you think is happening, Patrick? We, they tell us to go hide in our houses. They're telling us to, to, to um, fear-mongering. It's causing stress in people. It's, it's taking away their financial resources. They're not, they're panicked from the f uh, fear of what, what am I, how am I going to feed my family and, and, and staying inside the houses. That's the fifth toxicity, the emotional, psychological. Sixth one, they've been doing that for ages. All the additives in our food, the glyphosates. You're familiar with all the lawsuits and glyphosates and all, all this stuff inside our foods. So we've been poisoned for a long time. This is a, again, go back to the Flexner report. You know, some people said this is conspiratorial. No, I would say it's not conspiratorial. First of all, the word conspiracy means, you know, it, it, it's, been, it's been given a connotation, but it's observation. It's not sticking your head in the sand and saying, I don't see anything. I don't hear anything. It's not cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is because is when people end up saying, I can't believe this because if I believe this, then I have to question all my other beliefs and I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. I can't emotionally handle that. So I'm just going to believe what I see. All right. So the first six of those seven toxicities have been all addressed in this COVID-19 issue. And the questions that should be asked is that if this virus is so bad, which I know it is because I've, I showed that in the, in the corrupted science, what they did, the chimeric derivative. I think you saw the video. It, it's man-made. It's been adjusted. The, the patents on the virus, all that stuff. And you can go back and trace that. If anybody can do it unless I know they've been taking down a lot of those places, not a lot of those websites with the patents and such because they didn't want it to be disclosed. But if it's so, so bad, then why am I saying there's nothing to worry about? Well, it's not, it's, it's not the actual danger. They're saying COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19 is danger, but the danger is not what's in front of you. The danger is what you're being distracted from. And that is the removal of all your rights, the fundamental uh, ability to choose. As you said, you know, I, I want to be able to choose if my children get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. It's a fundamental right to, that, that we fought for, that we served our countries for. And not just you and I in the United States, but many of the people in their own countries served for the same reason. That's what the real danger is. The difference between fear and danger is that danger is real. Fear is an illusion. But when you start painting fear and you start showing danger as an uh, uh, misdirecting where the danger is coming from, and you think that the bear's coming from here, but the tiger's coming from behind, and that's what I'm 
wanting people to be aware of. That's, that's the only agenda. I actually think it's very healthy to have a dosage of that. You know, in the military, I don't know where you sit when you go to restaurants. I can tell you where I sit. And some tells me I can tell you where you sit as well. It's probably in a corner where you can see everything and uh, everything is moving. I'm the guy that likes to sit in the corner and just kind of see. And some people call it paranoia. Some people call it proper preparation prevents poor performance. Some people call it stay alert, stay alive. But I, I don't mind thinking that way. I you, know just what the Boy Scout, you know what the Boy Scouts call it? The motto of the Boy Scouts, be prepared. Very simple. Yeah, very simple. So I don't mind going there. But here's a question for you. Uh, uh, since you kind of went into it, I'm curious to know what you're going to say about this. I am very much curious about motives. I want to know motives. So Bill Gates, he goes and this whole conversation about depopulation, he talks to Dr. Gupta, February of 2011 on CNN. And he says, you know, vaccines can help with uh, a lifespan of children, et cetera, et cetera. And he, he doesn't use the word depopulation. He, he says, reducing population growth. Okay, let's just say if we connect the dots, you know, the amount of money he's given to World Health Organization, his connection with Fauci, his connection with uh, other politicians, his connection with different names in the past. Why would Gates, who is 64 years old, let's say we are detectives. Let's say we're investigators. Let's say we're hired a team of 100 people to go out there and investigate. I know the petitions came out. I, there's plenty of them to investigate. And one has got 19,270 signatures to investigate Fauci. Another one's got 87,154. I think that's the one with Dr. Shiva. A lot of people want to investigate Fauci. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit on the Gates side. Why would Gates and the powerful people, Gates is 64 years old, why would he want to depopulate the world? What would the motive be? I could not as eloquently state that as a short five-minute video that was banned. Um, I will tell you where you can go see it. It's actually still on social media. Do you want me to say that now or? or? Oh, give the answer. It's okay. You, you feel, feel, feel free to give it here. It's okay. We're comfortable well, I mean, I, with fan. Sometimes, you know, when somebody's done all the research and put it all together and they've got the dates, the times of people, and they do it in a video format, you know, they say that words, uh, what's this old saying, a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth a million. So that would explain it much better than I could explain it. But I think you need to go back and look at the history of Gates, where he came from, who his parents were, what they did, and their relationship to some of these organizations that had are you the, referencing with his father being the chairman of the board of Planned Parenthood is that kind of where you're going part of that who his mother was and what they served and then and their their uh, track record and where they went back so if you keep on going back then you start seeing this whole eugenics uh, interest and motivation and philosophy and I mean I'll just leave it at that because again I don't like to talk about things that I don't know um, details on because I can't, I can't talk about, I'm not a historian, I'm not a researcher, I'm not an investigator. I'm a clinician, so I can talk from the medical body and how the medical body, uh, how the human body responds to certain things. But I can't talk about some of these other things because I'm, I'm just like you, I've learned these things recently or I'm aware of them. Um, I would refer, if like somebody were to ask me, I would tell them, go watch this video. The only reason I say that is because you brought up Gates and depopulation. I thought maybe you had something to say about that because, you know, you keep hearing about different people talking about it and sometimes the audiences is, Asking the most innocent question, what's the motive? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, what I, if I'm just sitting here, this is conjecture on my part, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell you what I think. The guy has technology. He 
couldn't keep, I, I like to say this, I saw this as a meme, but he couldn't keep viruses out of Microsoft, but now he thinks he can keep viruses out of the human body. I find that interesting. He's not a virologist. He's not a doctor. He has no medical training. He's going into an arena that he's been involved with for many years. And he's, as you said, 2011, he talked about these, he insinuated depopulation. Why is a software developer the same type, at the same time as Steve Jobs that came up and Steve Jobs was loved all over the world, but Gates was, you know, getting pied in the face 10, 12, 15 years ago. He's been hated by so many people for so long. Why? Then you start looking at his history, you start looking at his philosophy. Now he comes along, he's got his hands in, in the who, in the CDC, in all the major uh, bodies that are re responsible to safeguard our lives, your life, my life, our children's lives. He's got his hands in there. They just hacked into the World Health Organization, into the Gates Foundation, and they've downloaded everything. And the the exposure that they found, the, the, the level of corruption, the level of bribes, money exchanging, there's a huge agenda. So let's just put that aside. Those, that stuff's going to come out maybe with WikiLeaks. Who knows how it's going to come out. But that's where you come in and you, you, know, you and other colleagues of you that have journalistic integrity, not like the mainstream media that will never report the truth. Then you go down the pipeline and you start saying, okay, why does a person that has all this money and all this power, why does he own a patent on a virus? Why does he own two, three, five, seven patents on a virus, on these coronaviruses? And coronavirus was studied since 1968. If you watch part five of the video, which I hope that you will, I'll show you how to get to that. You can go down. I showed on the video screen, 45 seconds, I was scrolling straight down. The cursor is like, brrr, I think it was 12 or 13,000 studies on coronavirus. Yet there have been patents issued in the last four or five years. Why would a patent be issued on a virus? You can't issue a patent on something naturally occurring. But you can if it was man-made, if it's a chimeric version, if it's been adulterated. And why does Gates own those patents on those, on those viruses? Why, why, why does anybody have any kind of patents on viruses? H1N1, Baxter put a, had a um, patent on it, in, filed in Austria in nine months before the first case, documented case of H1N1. So why do you have a patent on a pathogen and then 10, year, 10 months later, suddenly you have a disease that's caused by that patented virus and now you're going to create a vaccine for it? So if that's not suspect, okay, let's keep, keep on going down that pathway. Now, he's not only got the patent on this virus, he's on mainstream media talking about the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine. There has been no vaccine that has been developed in less than four years that has ever been used. And you know the number of problems that vaccines have caused. It's been the subject of congressional testimony, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell you the vaccines are not safe. And if you want to go into that, we can talk about that. But just, we're just following the, the Gates line right now. Again, I'm just telling you basic fundamental concepts. I'm telling you, I'm following the breadcrumbs, okay? Now he's talking about the necessity for this vaccine, and he's talking about putting in these microchips, and the Gates Foundation controls this. He's one of the founding members of, of ID2020. ID2020, everybody's going to have mandated um, vaccinations so that they can track the, those people and know who's been vaccinated and who's not been vaccinated. So he owns the virus. He's been talking about the vaccine. He's funding the research behind the vaccine. Fauci's in his pockets, all these different people that, that now the hacking has shown that he's been directly supporting. He controls all these organizations. And so then when you ask the question, what is the agenda? Hmm. Well, you could save money, but he's got all the money. You could save power, but he's got all the power. So what is left? It's only his history, what he's out there and said publicly, what his family has believed, what the people that he's been associated with believe. And so that's what I see. If somebody can show me something different, I'm open and receptive to it. But that's what is right in front of us. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to see the motive because you're a billionaire, okay? Uh, richest man in the world for two, three decades. The only person that took it away from you was uh, Bezos. Then outside of that, if you wanted to run for office, you have a lot of people that would support you if he wanted to do that. I don't think he has the personality, nor do I think he would want that kind of exposure if he ran for office. Is it the new world order, order to fighting to be the next Rothschild because these guys are that competitive where he wants to have that kind of control around the world? Maybe, because that's another conspiracy that's being talked about. I'm just trying to see what is the motive? What is the motive for somebody who want to do that? To me, the motive would be going back to his history and seeing what his family was based on, what he's been based on, what he said, what, his, what he's stated. And all these things, even the 2011 component that you said, if you've got all the money in the world and you've got the power, then you, know, you can either sit there at home and play video games or you can say, well, let's, let's pick up the agenda that mom and dad and grandpa and grandma had and let's look at this. And this is something that he's propagated and talked about openly. I mean, to me, that's the motive. He's, he's fulfilling what he plan on doing from the get-go. And, and that's what's coming down. I mean, why would he be involved with, tell me, and maybe you're being cynical on, on purpose, or maybe you're asking the question on purpose, but I'm asking you, let's pretend I'm the reporter and you're the person I'm interviewing. Sure. Why would, why would somebody have all this money put into vaccines and talk about vaccines and talk about all this? You don't hear other people talking about that. Why is he doing that? And when, with a, with a history of an interest in eugenics and, and a, and a belief in population control and a belief in an open statement that the world can't sustain the rate of growth of the population, do you, do you, what do you think? If, that, if he's got his history like this and now he's talking about vaccines, and he's got the technology, he's coming up with the ID 2020, you know, all this happened. He's got the patents on the COVID. He's got patents on the actual stuff that they're not trying to create the vaccine. You tell me, what do you think it could be the motive? Is, is me, that not? No, that's a valid question. I've, I've thought about this a million times. That's why I'm asking you to see what you would think. To me, when they say, you know, is Trump having any plans of running for office? Well, Trump, his dad had real estate on the other side. He was never able to compete in Manhattan, Fred. Then Trump says, I'm going to outdo my dad and my brother. He does, so check. Then I'm going to go in New York and I'm going to become a celebrity, check. Then I'm going to go in New York and I'm going to do it my way, check. He couldn't do it in Vegas, couldn't do it in Jersey as big as he wanted to. He has all these checks, married the most beautiful woman in the world, been with the most beautiful woman in the world. What is the only thing left for Trump to do to outdo a Bloomberg or a Hillary or any of these other guys because he's super competitive? Well, maybe become a president. He did it. His resume, stacked. That's Trump. Let's set him aside. Okay, Gates. You beat the guy that everybody loved, Jobs. Fair. You beat him. You beat him to the point that he came to you for a $300 million loan. Fine. You beat him. You beat him to the point where you became the richest man in the world. No one beat you for two plus decades. That's like Jordan winning three championships in or three P. That's a 20 P. Check. What's next? You don't have a personality to run for office. You're going to have a hard time being a president. Bloomberg had all the money in the world. Personality is critical and it's not his style, right? So what would be the next thing? I think the only other next thing would be if there is such a thing as the powerful people behind closed doors who have the money that make the bigger decisions and they don't want the eyeballs, it would be that to be the Rothschild or the Koch brothers, a form of that. But he likes the eyeballs. Those guys don't want the eyeballs. So the contradiction to his approach is the fact that this guy actually likes eyeballs. Rothschilds don't like eyeballs. So it, 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 this is the part where I'm going back and forth and I'm trying to figure out what he wants to do. 
Uh, I don't see, so, so if you talk about depopulation, okay, let's just talk about depopulation. Yeah, seven billion, the world has grown very fast. Africa, hardcore, top most of the countries, most of the states are in Africa. US 1.38, China run point, they're not doing really well with population growth right now. They had it because they try to minimize it with the amount of kids, although they've been off of that for over a decade. So is it because he doesn't like to be around people? Does Bill Gates like people? Is he the kind of person that wants to go to the party and shake everyone's hands? Probably not. He's probably the guy that's a loner, wants to be in the office, and he likes his own company, doesn't want to be around a big crowd. Maybe. Is that the reason to want to depopulate? Is he worried long-term viruses are going to spread even more if there's more people there? Is he one of those guys that doesn't want to be around people? I, I don't think that's big enough to want to say, let's go depopulate. I don't know the core motive of why a man like this would want to go through this. Because the reality you and I know, if you, if you think about the question I ask everybody I'm sitting down with, whether it's a General Spaulding from the Air Force who went and lived in China for a few years to kind of study their model and came back and gave a speech at Congress and McConnell and Biden were in the room right after he gave the message, a couple weeks later he gets fired. If it's Gordon Chang who was an attorney in China for two decades, if it's whoever these people that we're bringing in to talk about the topic of coronavirus, the experts or those who have opinions, you know, it goes back to me asking, there's, there's just no way in the world the motive would be just a depopulation. It's got to be more than that. And I can't pinpoint it, so I don't have the answer. But, but you just hit on something. You, 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 you know, from a very method, methodical way, you laid out what the possibilities were, and then you eliminated those possibilities. But the last thing you said, and I was going to interrupt you, but you continued with that, and I wanted to see where you are going to go, but you said down to his core and i think that's what you got to look at his core because we are you know based upon our cores what do we believe and the jesuit said give me a child in the first seven years of life and i'll give you the man so we get programmed by our parents and by or by our teachers or whatever in the first seven years if if a child is raised in the house of bigots then they will have the same um belief system as their parents did. And when they talk about the terrible teens, that usually the terrible teens is when they're losing the personality of their parents and forming their own personality. And when there's a conflict between the personality of the parents and themselves, that's when you have that revolt of the terrible teens. My kids, I didn't have the terrible teens with my kids. All three of them, they've been remarkable. People are like, man, you just don't have any problems. But I think it, it goes back to the fact that they were raised in an in a environment of acceptance and understanding and um, treating everybody equally. So I think that's part and parcel of it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just fortunate. I just have fantastic kids. But you go back to the core and it's the core that defines us. And if that was part of his core, and if you see his family and you go back and you start to study his history and what he said, that's what, when you've got all the money, then you're going to go back and say, okay, what's my legacy? This is something that we've been working on. My family's been working on it. I, that's the only thing I can think of. Why else would you own the patents on the virus that's causing all the problems? Why else would you own the patents that on, the, on the, uh, the solution to that virus? Why else would you have the patents on the way to monitor those? I mean, he, he's, he's got his hands in every component of it. He controls all the organizations. So, you know, tell me, why doesn't Jeff Bezos control all that? Or why doesn't, uh, you know, whatever, some of the other people with a lot of money do that? It, his family, it goes back. There's a correlation in history. And again, I'm not here to define that, Patrick. That's up to, you know, other people like yourself with the, know-how of how to investigate and look at those things. Um, I'm a doctor and I just take care of people. And Yeah, I just wanted to see your point of view, you know, because sometimes uh, 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 all these guys have one thing in common. They're very competitive. Bezos, Gates, Elon, 
all of them, super, Trump, all of them, super, super competitive at a whole different level. Even some of these politicians, Obama, Hillary, Bill, you know, they're, they're very competitive. I don't think Biden is as competitive. These guys, those guys are very, very competitive. There's a different level of competition. But when you study some of these guys that revolted and did something bad to humanity, somebody humiliated them and they were offended. And I don't know that part. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You know how sometimes somebody who you couldn't get that girl, but that guy always got that girl and you always remember that guy and you want to make sure you retaliate and you keep it for 22 years in the back of your mind, but nobody really knows that you're going to avenge. Maybe there's somebody we don't know about. I just don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze this guy, but uh, I just thought maybe you had something to say on that side that had to do deeper with Gates. I appreciate your input. Now let's, let's transition to somebody else that's within your world this campaign of uh, fire Fauci, fire Fauci, fire Fauci, fire Fauci. Trump retweeted. He gets questioned. You just retweeted something. It said fire Fauci in a hashtag. I don't know. I'm, you know, I just retweeted it. You know, I'm, I like him. He's good. And then you see the look from Fauci when he's looking at him saying that it's not a look a lot of trust. And some people in media that may say, well, Fauci must be a liberal. Fauci was first hyped up by George, GW, George Bush Sr., when he was given a talk and he said, there's this young doctor, you know, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Fauci is being, when he goes to work, everybody's clapping, saying, why are you clapping? This is because a president mentioned your name today. hundred million people watch. I didn't know that. Like he missed it. So he's been on six different presidents, you know, and now you're hearing him and Trump not being on the same page. What is your biggest challenge? Again, this part is the medical part where you can talk about, I don't know when people say he's breaking the law, he's pushing the envelope. How do you feel about the approach Dr. Fauci has been taking? Well, up until probably January, I didn't know who Fauci was. I'd never even heard the name before. Okay. And I can tell you the facts. The facts are in 1981, Fauci talked about this disease, this new disease called the gay disease, HIV, and was pushing for a drug and got the drug starting to be used and used in people with great detriment to these people for, as a prophylaxis to prevent HIV that caused all sorts of problems three years before the HIV was actually established. So in 1984, they identified the, the virus and there's some contention on that. But from 1981 to 1984, he pushed a drug, a drug that had all sorts of side effects. And today we know that a lot of these things are lifestyle related and, and high risk behavior related and everything, but he was pushing a drug prophylactically to de deal with this gay disease. All right, forget about that. This is just his history that I learned. In 2014, the US government passed a moratorium on research on anything that was chimerically, de um, chimeric derivative. Basically chimeric derivatives or chimeric research is where you take something and you change it, you adjust it, you mutate it, you genetically modify it. So there was, there was a lot of studies being done on coronavirus. And the U.S. government, based upon other virologists saying that there's no reason for us to be taking these, these pathogens and converting them into more virulent pathogens. And the thought process, well, we need to convert them into something more virulent, more damaging, more resistant, more you know, potential for pandemic. So we can then decide to which ones we're going to study to prioritize which ones we need to study. And my thing is, why not, not create something that's going to be potentially devastating so you don't have to worry about studying them? So th if you can imagine this, this is like saying, well, I got this little firecracker and I'm going to make it into a bomb, and I'm going to make this into a bomb so that I can then study what the potential, which, which bombs I should prioritize. Now, the problem is the bombs are created by us. 
So the government had decided on a moratorium in 2014, no more chimeric research, based upon the potential pathogenesis and the potential for pandemics as established by other scientists. No more, nada, finished, 2014. Fauci is in the NIH at one of the highest levels in the directorship, knows that there's a government moratorium. What does he do? He takes $3.7 million and he sends that to another country and funds research. This research started in North Carolina, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That's where they did the chimeric research. The doctor that developed this was from Wuhan. She went back to Wuhan, whatever they did, but he's now funding money from US taxpayer to another country, which could be considered as an act of treason because he's taken taxpayer dollars and funding it to another country when the US government said no more of that research. For what purpose, all right? 2017 now, two years later, after he's funded his research, he makes a statement in Georgetown University, and you've probably seen the footage where he comes out and he says that this term, this presidential term or this president's administration will experience a surprise pandemic. Now, I don't know about your crystal ball, but my crystal ball doesn't work that accurately. So how did he know in 2017 that there was going to be a pandemic? So these are the things that I see. Now, you asked me, do I know him? I don't know him. Then you asked me when we started, do I have any knowledge of anybody that works with him? I have a friend, a very good friend, that actually was in the NIH for 22 years, Dr. Judy Mikowitz. In fact, we released the first video yesterday, a first of four. Dr. Mikowitz spent time at the National Institute of Health. She was doing the gain of function. Remember, gain of function is to make something more virulent, make it more damaging, make it more destructive, make it more resistant. So she was involved with the research on gain of function for Ebola, all right? When she, and she's done many other things with cancer and with uh, chronic fatigue and some, certain other types of processes. When she realized that some of the research that she was involved in was actually causing the, the vaccines that were being derived from the research she was doing was actually causing autism, was actually causing cancer, the stuff that people label as conspiratorial, right? This is a 22-year uh, veteran at the National Institute of Health doing research. When she said she was gonna come out as a whistleblower, she was threatened. Her career was threatened, her life was threatened, and she, to her credit, did not back off, and they framed her and they sent her to jail for, I don't know how long, it was a short period of time, but then she had a gag order that she could not talk about her research, she never recanted, she never took anything back, that she could never talk about her research. And the gag order just expired, and she's not come out, and she's talking, talking openly. So that's the, that's the close person that I know, but I don't have any firsthand knowledge. I only see what I've seen him say. I only see what he's been involved with from a policy standpoint. I only see what has been reported, what he's done. And, and the Wuhan aspect, I mean, it's very clear. And when people start talking about China this and China that and China created a bioweapon, you know, that's again, another form of distraction, Patrick. Think about it. Got it. Who cares whether it was released in China intentionally or accidentally? That doesn't explain the complicit nature of these numbers being elevated artificially to justify this pandemic and world shutdown. Yeah, tell me something. Um, why is it that this virus that's so virulent, which we know it is, but it's like premature ejaculation, the worst case, right? Boom, it comes out and just, it, it, can't, it can't do this damage quickly. It's not going to do any damage. Most people that it's done any damage to, it's not that virus. It's the toxicity aspect, the 5G aspect, the underlying uh, comorbidity aspect. These are people that are immunocompromised. Those are the three legs of the stool I was talking about. And when those three legs are all taken out, when you make them toxic, when you expose them to 5G, when you expose them to 
to rendering them more susceptible with other comorbidities, that chair collapses. That's what we're seeing. Okay. Now, why is it that this virus that supposedly started in Wuhan, let's say started in Wuhan, that's where patient zero was, that's when the first case, and you know the correlation between the 5G rollout in Wuhan, it happened in December 2019, the same month, you know about that, I'm sure, right? Okay, so why is it that this virus hit China in Wuhan, which was announced in 2017, 2018 as the rollout uh, location for 5G in China? This was announced in 2018, 2017. And so now they rolled it out in December 2019. Now you got all these people that are sick. This virus comes out. It's bad. It's going to cause this problem, blah, 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 whatever the media is hyping. Hits Iran, one of the highest hit cities, uh, countries. Hit Italy. Now, if you, I, in part four, I show these two countries and I show various websites that talked about the rollout of 5G in both these countries. They both were competing to be the world's for, uh, forefront um, authorities and leaders in rollout 5G. So it jumps from Wuhan goes to Iran, goes to Italy, and then comes into New York and sets up its epicenter in New York, conveniently bypassing and jumping over Beijing and Shanghai, which had no problems, never shut down. And so tell me, how does that happen? How does a virus, I mean, this virus is selective. It's only looking for Wuhan citizens, Iranian citizens, Italian citizens, and New York citizens. I mean, it's just so absurd. That, that, that makes you think when you, when you put them together, Obviously, I'm from Iran, and we're getting a lot of calls about what's going on in Iran with uh, uh, how concerned they are with uh, the death uh, the death toll. But let me, let me go back to what you were saying with Fauci. Let's stay on that topic for a second before I go on a different topic. Is uh, General Spalding, I was speaking to him, I said uh, uh, the topic of a World Health Organization came out with Tedros. And you know, obviously, Tedros is all over the place nowadays. I said, uh, how much do you trust him? He says, zero. I said, not at all. He says, zero. I said, do you think Tedros is defending China because he's getting paid behind closed doors? He doesn't say maybe. He said 100%, okay? Meaning China is paying off Tedros. Tedros is not a medical doctor. He just happens to be the one that's now running. I think he's the first one ever that's running it without uh, 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 being a medical doctor and uh, Trump is not thinking about defunding them or you know even going through the process right now. So we talk about motive with Gates. What's the motive with Fauci? What, 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 why would Fauci want to be in bed with Gates or anybody else? Well, he's been in his pockets. I mean, that, again, the financial records show all that. But I think that Fauci is just a pawn. He's, he's not. I mean, he's getting fame. He's getting fortune. He's getting paid. He's, I mean, it's a very simple human thing, you know. I'll make you shine if you do this part and he's jumping on it. And you, th you think it's that because he doesn't come across as a guy that wants recognition. He doesn't come across as that guy. There are certain guys that you see that their eyes just light up when they get recognition. I don't sense it from him. So I'm curious to know what, what is his motive? What is he doing? If, maybe let me ask you a better question here. Here's a better question for you. Let's just say President Trump is watching this. His camp watches this. I was at Mar-a-Lago with him uh, when the event took place with him and shaking the hands of Brazil uh, Prime Minister. Uh, I was at that event when that was taking place. Let's just say President Trump is watching this right now, okay? And he is sitting there. He doesn't fully trust Fauci's motives. He doesn't fully trust who Fauci's connected to. I mean, you, you see when Fauci's speaking and he's in the back, he's always going like this and he's kind of looking. He, he doesn't give the look of, I trust this man 100%. What do you think are some questions President Trump should be asking right now behind closed doors of Fauci and his people around him to kind of do a little bit more due diligence. Well, I think it's already been stated. You know, why did you go against a government moratorium 
on chimeric research and continue to fund the chimeric research? Why did you fund that research in American taxpayer dollar? Why did you fund China? And, and you know, if I, can, if I can just shift the perspective just a little bit, Patrick, I think that this is, again, the same type of situation where the diversion is created with China. And it's like the WikiLeaks thing, right? It came out, uh, Hillary Clinton's emails, or oh, the Democratic emails, all that stuff came out. And instead of looking at the content and saying, oh my God, everybody started attacking the person who leaked the information. Nobody's looking at the information. It's like the information is what's the crime, and yet you're trying to villainize the person who released this information. So let's say China is responsible in some way, fashion, or form. China didn't pay the $3.7 million that Fauci paid, right? China, whether or not China it, it did it intentionally, they were trying to ruin the U.S. economy, or whether it just was an accident waiting to happen, I don't know. I think it doesn't make any difference because the issue right now is a global shutdown. It's a global shutdown that is not warranted based on the numbers, based on the science, based on how the viruses are being depicted. And, and if the I mean, current virological thought process, you know, when you start looking at Steiner's work and you start looking at really how viruses are released, people look at these viruses and what's going to kill the virus? Viruses aren't living, Patrick. They're, they're part of RNA and DNA fragments inside our bodies. If it wasn't for our viruses, humans would have become extinct hundreds of thousands of years ago. It's our method of evolving. It's our adaptive method. That's how our viruses work. Okay. So when you look at an exosome and you look at a virus, they're identical morphologically and all the other depictions, they're, they're virtually the same. Viruses are released during a certain type of stressor. Now, I, I, wanna, I don't want to divert this too much, but I'm going to take this so that you can really see why I say that this is something that is on mass scale, irresponsible, regardless of what China did. It's our government right now creating this problem. And I'm going to show you this. And I, I don't, when I say government, I'm not saying the president. I'm not saying Fauci. I'm, not, I'm saying there's factions in there. Fauci is a part of the player. I think President Trump, why would he, some people have tried to blame it on Trump. You know, I don't, I did not vote for Bush. I voted for Bush Jr., George W. Bush the first time. I didn't vote for him the second time. I met him. I was a part of his heavy metal task force that he signed. I did not vote for him the second time. I voted for Obama. My family rejoiced when I voted for Obama the first time because they said, oh, finally, you've seen the light. You're a Democrat. I'm like, no, I'm just seeing. I think he's going to be good for the country. I did not vote for him the second time. I did not vote for Trump the first time. I will be voting for Trump this time. Why? Because again, it's this president has been attacked and he's done. He's tried to do the best he can, but they keep on trying to take him down. Now, my question is this. I don't think Trump is behind this, but in fact, I know he's not because you can see his cavalier approach to the COVID. He knows that it's, it's, it's a hoax. He knows that. But again, at the same time, he's got all these people. He's got the media that's hounding him. So he's got, he's got to play some way in the middle. You know, he, he's just one person. I want to make sure the world understands where the problem lies. When a surgeon walks into a, and this is very important, Patrick, when a surgeon wears a mask and when a nurse wears a mask with a critical patient, we're not wearing that mask to protect ourselves. When you're doing open heart surgery, you're replacing a knee or you're doing some kind of, you know, hernia repair, why, why would you be worried about getting, you know, catching something? You're not. You're wearing the mask so you don't drool, you don't spit, you don't cough, you don't sneeze into that open surgical field it's because you're keeping it sterile, all right? When in certain societies they wear a mask, they're not wearing the mask to protect themselves. They're wearing the mask to protect others from them getting, from, from, from them spreading it. Now we come to the United States and we come to the current issue. Everything is misinformation, all right? We know that stress increases 
the cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which decreases immune system. So when you scare people, tell them to stay home, you, you suppress their immune system because you're scaring them. You further suppress them because economic issues, they're, they're stressed out. Now you tell them, wear a face mask. What are you doing when you're wearing a face mask? A face mask reduces the amount of oxygen coming in. So now your body's in a chronic state of stress. And that face mask is obstructing airway. Just today, I saw a, a, a woman that passed out in her car and died, had a car accident and died because of the lack of oxygen from her face mask. They're pushing this agenda, and it's an agenda to make people weaker, to make them more susceptible. The face mask then also prevents, the, when, you, when your body's being stressed out and you're not getting enough oxygen, it then creates other issues. You remember they said don't touch your face and don't, don't, okay, well, if you're sweating and you've got the face mask, don't you think people are going to be pushing it around? Okay, on top of that, when you have this release of viruses, because viruses live inside our cells, when they have this the release, when I say live, they're not living, but when they're released, and you're wearing a face mask, you're preventing the ability to, to, you're actually stressing the body out and increasing the viral activation, if you will. All right? So you're actually increasing the susceptibility of the individual stress-wise and increasing the viral load. So tell me, if they really want to help people, why are they telling people that they should be wearing masks? It's completely preposterous. Now, here's another thing. Fauci is sitting up there, and you, know, you, you want to talk about Fauci, so let's just bring this last point home. The president makes a statement about hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax. There are doctors in New York that have treated patients very successfully. Nobody's died with this treatment regimen. The vast majority within a few hours to a day and a half have resolved their symptomology. The symptomology, by the way, is being reported by doctors. This isn't a typical virus. It doesn't fit the picture. It's a hypoxic injury. It's like altitude sickness. Regardless of what it is, some doctors have used the hydroxychloroquine and the Zithromax component, and they've seen success. Great. Let's use it. President says, well, these established drugs, we know it's not going to kill you. Let's use that instead of the vaccine because we don't know what the vaccine's going to do. Fauci comes out and says, no, unless studies are done, we should not be using that regimen. But hey, it's okay to take a vaccine that's never been established and, and studied, and let's go ahead and give it to the population and see what happens. This is the, this is the t I mean, again, I'm just an observer. Yeah. And to me, when something walks like a duck, talks like a duck, moves like a duck, flaps its wings like a duck, it's a damn duck. Yeah, what you say that cre uh, brings up concerns because you are so confident in a vaccine coming out that we don't have any experience testing on it. You're not confident in a drug that's been used. And you said no one's ever died using hydroxychloroquine? Never? I, well, if people have died, it's because they've been getting some kind of derivative or something. Not from a doctor prescribing the drug that's a, that's a nice, clean drug. It may be in front of contamination, whatever. I mean, you know, this is, again, part of the media not reporting the truth. I'll give you an example. The, the number of deaths from heart disease and from medication and from all these different things, I mean, it's like astronomical numbers. Two people die from ethylene diamine tetracetic acid infusions, yeah. which is chelation therapy. They make a hallabaloo out of it. It's like main thing, blah, 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 the, you know, controversial treatment kills me. But two people died because a doctor gave 12 times the normal dose in half the time or one third the time. But you, Tylenol will kill somebody if you do that. Right. So it's, again, misinformation. The media has misinformed and misinformed and misinformed. Stanford came out with a study a couple of days ago. The Stanford study said this shows that the rate of death from COVID-19 is no different from influenza. That's what the study showed. Do you know what mainstream reported? That the study showed this is more rampant than anywhere else on the planet. Uh, it's, it's more rampant than we thought. Well, of course it is. I think the entire population of the world has been exposed to it. But they didn't focus on that part. of it. They just said, because a study, Stanford study said, 
that we think is more, much more widespread, but the death rate is no difference in flu. And in fact, that's based upon the data that they're giving, the data that's being reported for cause of death. But you know the memes right now. You fall out of a plane without a parachute, cause of death, COVID-19. You get shot in the head, COVID-19 kills you. You have a heart attack, COVID-19. They're putting the cause of death as COVID-19 for almost everything right now. And there's a mandate that came down from the CDC that anybody with a respiratory condition, you put down COVID-19 first. Candace Owens called out the governor of Connecticut. You heard about that because he said this child died of COVID-19. Total lie. It's happening all over the place. Doctors and nurses have sent me messages. They're saying that we, we worked the shift. Three people died. We signed the death certificate. We come back the next day. It's been altered. Media has reported that certain people died of COVID-19. They haven't. Media is reporting nurses crying and saying, well, you know, I just want a mask so I can protect. They weren't even real nurses. And if they were nurses, they, weren't, they haven't worked in an uh, ER or ICU in over a year and a half. They're like, so they're media, they're paid actors. You've got people with the same image, different names died in different parts of the country with COVID-19, but the same person, it's the same image. It's all this, they've got hospital footage from one hospital and then saying it's another hospital, saying another hospital, all these lies. If, if this was really a true thing, then why is the media not reporting the truth? We're, we're living in the age of, of, of social media. Everybody can pick up a video. I mean, you can't trip and fall without it being on social media. Where are these hundreds of thousands of deaths? Where are they? And the deaths that they're showing, they're mannequins. They're not even real people. Okay? The footage of doctors and nurses, you know, dancing in the, all, over the, all over the country. Why? Because they're idle. There's nothing going on. This is misinformation to the highest order. And the reason for this misinformation is what's coming down. Again, it's not COVID-19. It's what's coming down. It's the erosion of the rights that you put your life on the risk for, that I put my life on the risk for, that millions of Americans have died for during the World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnamese, the Vietnam War, you know, the Iraq situation. And again, we've, we've done this stuff because we were thinking that we were protecting our nation. Now we start looking at it in retrospect. I'm sure you can think, what did I really do? Was I really doing the forgotten country? Well, that's what I did, a forgotten country. That's what you did it for. But the politicians that were controlling the generals that were giving us the orders, they had nothing to do with God and country. It was a, for the U.S.'s strategic interest. Okay, how many lives have been lost in, in wars? How many lives have been lost? More people have died in the name of God in wars than, than all other things put, put together. And you start thinking about this and going, what, is our, what are the governments of our world doing? They don't care about the populations. If they did, they wouldn't be saying, stay at home and you're going to get uh, uh, a citation, you're going to pay a fine for being out when you're not supposed to be out? I mean, oh, can they do that? Can, can they do that? I can think they do that? By law, can they do that? Well, if the governor passes an emergency law under pretense of public safety, they could try to do it. But already, sheriffs out there, sheriffs uh, from different counties, have said this is not Nazi Germany. We are not going to stop people randomly and ask for the papers. And, and Patrick, can I just make an announcement to the world right now? Please. There's two, two announcements that I want to make. One. And I've said this over and over again. If you are law enforcement, if you are military, if you've ever served in the past, you are active duty right now, remember the oath that you've taken, the oath to defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And when they tell you to carry out a, an, an order that is an illegal order to take an act against somebody else that is, that is not armed, that, is, that you were appointed to safeguard and protect, remember that if you do that, if you follow that illegal order, you are complicit and you are doing the same thing that your higher-ups are making you do. You need to resist that order because that is an illegal order. Am I right, Patrick, that it is unlawful to follow an illegal order? Absolutely. You will be, because you could be held accountable for crime. But forget about uh, uh, crimes of uh, war crimes. But forget about the, the responsibility of doing it from a fierce standpoint. I'm saying do it from a place of your own power. Because if you take off your uniform as a law enforcement or military, as a, as, a, as a soldier, 
you are no different than the rest of us. And they will then have you the same way and your children the same way, the mandate that's coming down the pipe on the same way. So the, to the sheriffs out there that have said they're not going to enforce these illegal orders, I commend you. You are the heroes on the, forefront, on, the, on the front lines. You are the heroes in the trenches. I appreciate each one of you doing that. And I want more sheriffs, more law enforcement, more military to recognize and understand this. The second announcement, I am telling you that you can say anything. You can talk about all the signs, Patrick. You can ask me all the questions. But I cannot say anything more definitive than this. I will go anywhere in the world, anywhere. I don't care where it is. Where, the most ridden place with COVID-19. I will shake hands. I will hug them. You know, and in humor, I've even said, I'll kiss him if she's good and not looking enough. I don't care because I know this is not an, a real thing. Because even if it is a real thing, and even if I get sick, which, which it's possible, it's no different than a regular flu. I don't take the flu shot. I haven't had a flu shot since 1992. Yeah, I'm going to take my couple of my things that I would normally carry with me from a, if I got ick, uh, sick or uh, ill. I would want to carry my own supplementation regimen. I have no problem with it. As long as it paid for my flight, and the hotel room for the night that I'm going to be there. I have no problem with it. And Patrick, I would ask you or any of the members of, true, of the media that have true journalistic integrity, not the, not the garbage thing out there, but the true integrist journalists, you can follow me and you can document it. You can videotape, you can do whatever you want because that's how insignificant it is. Our message is getting out to the world. More and more people are, are congregating. And, and I, I'm not advocating uh, violence. I'm advocating peace that people go out there and, and show by demonstration that, look, I'm fine, and there's nothing that you have to worry about. Keeping people at home, having them breathe masks, face masks, they're going to get sicker. And, the, and we're seeing that. The stress, the fear, the par paralysis of, oh, my God, they're, they're thinking that the government's saying or the, 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 whoever the powers that be are trying to ordain this because Trump has been trying to push the economy back open. He was saying by Easter he was negated. So that's one reason I know. I, I'm going, only going by my eyes. I believe that Trump is doing the best thing that he can, and he wants the economy back because he knows it's a bunch of BS. But there are people around him, surrounding him, that are trying to push this agenda. And I hope to God that if, if President Trump is hearing this right now, my message to him is one simple. Investigate Gates and what he's done. And then let that investigation go wherever it is. Because I think that that is the head of Medusa and everything goes down. And there's probably heads above it, like you said, you know, because he's probably got his puppet masters. But that will expose the whole thing. Our message right now, I don't care who they go after. I don't care about going after the Fauci's or the Gates. That's not my agenda. My agenda is very simple, Patrick. The world needs to wake up and understand that what's happening right now is an illusion and it's going to mandate other things coming down, which is going to include RF chips. Look, okay, Patrick, you're the first person in the military that's prior military. Let me ask, let me ask you a question. You are aware, you were in 18 Delta, or you were getting ready to start 18 Delta. So, you know, for those of you that are soldiers out there, who are, but you know what an 18 Delta is, all right? That is, an SF medic. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. The technology to track a soldier when they're behind enemy lines or when they're in a maneuver, when, you, when you're in a, in a movement, you always have to maintain 15 feet, correct? Wedge formation. Why are we maintaining 15 feet? Protection. A line of, uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Line of, uh, uh, line of fire. And line of fire, yes. Exactly. If a round comes in, you don't want to have the whole unit taken out. So when you walk 15 feet apart, you can you know that you're not gonna some one person steps on a on a landmine, it's not gonna explode everybody. But That's there's fine. another reason. It's tracking. We know that there's satellite tracking, which track the soldiers. We can see the movement, we can see where they're going. Within a five um, foot radius, you can pick up that soldier. You know where he is. Less than five feet, if you have four, five, seven, ten people in a close group, you can't tell if it's one person or ten people. So how do we know these RF chips that they're planning on inserting into our hands to pick up 
to, to register whether or not people have been vaccinated? How do we know that those things aren't emitting a signal and then they can monitor our, you know, how, how many people are congregating, where are we going, whatever. This is monitoring. This is big brother. Satellite technology already has that. It can pick that up. So now you think I want an RF chip in my hand that they can tell everything about me? How am I supposed to have any privacy? If I'm making love, if I'm, you know, going to the bathroom, they can pick up on all that stuff. That's why that's a, a violation of privacy. On top of that, just think about this for a second. How do we know that that RF chip is not picking up a signal? It may be a transmitting device, but it may be a receiving device. How do we know that it's not picking up something and then affecting our bodies? We know that phones do that. So there's so much misinformation and the, and the media is covering it up. And why is there a rollout of all these towers while we're being kept in the house? Why are they rolling out all these towers everywhere? I'm getting information from California, from Germany, from the UK. They're already starting to burn. The public is going out and burning down the 5G towers. They're rolling them out everywhere. So this is, you want to know what I think is going to happen? And this is, I mean, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y. And now you want to know, what do you think is going to happen? Well, there's only one thing, is Z, okay? That's the next thing that's coming. What am I referring to? Very, very simply, these 5G towers are being rolled out. When they open up the country, they're going to say, okay, everything's fine. But you have to get your vaccine. People get the vaccine, they're going to start getting sick. Especially the people that have had flu shots and all these other shots. There's all this crap in our system. Remember, DNA, addicts, humans, mutated human cell lines, uh, dog kidneys, monkey brains, you know, plus formaldehyde, nickel, mercury, all these immunosuppressives. All right, so now we have all this crap in our bodies already. Now we get this new vaccine. We don't even know what the implications are. People are going to get sick from it. They're going to say, oh my God, you're sick. We need more vaccines. 5G is going to start affecting the bodies. More people are going to get sick. Oh, we need more vaccines. They're going to use the five, they're going to use the COVID-19 as the scapegoat and the justification to give more vaccines as people get sick and sick and sick from the preliminary vaccines, as well as the 5G, as well as the toxicity, as well as whatever else. They're going to use all these other components to hide them so that they can justify the use of the vaccine and continue using it. I want you to remember the Centers for Disease Control have two teams that they send out, two teams. Always, infectious disease, toxicological team. The infectious disease team gets all the glory, the movies like Ebola, Contagion, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody talks about the toxicological team. The toxicological team is a team that made the difference with the cigarette smoking. They made, took the lead out of gasoline. If they send out a toxicology team, the toxicology team says, oh, it's uh, outgassing from combustion of fossil fuels. Oh, it's chemtrails. Oh, it's 5G. Then who is responsible? A company, a corporation, technology, an individual, whoever. But if they say it's a virus, nobody's responsible. And they can keep on going with their agenda because now nobody's focused on the technology or the substance or the product or whatever it is that's creating the problem. The biggest thing is if, if, if it's going to be forced, that's the problem. I mean, if it's going to be choice, it's a different story. You know, typically the, the way this happens, if it's really highest level of manipulation on a conquer and divide, it, it gets to a point that they make the people being so desperate where they beg for the vaccine and uh, 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 they beg for the vaccine or the RFID chips, which is a form of choice, but it's really a cornering somebody to be forced to take it or else. You said a few things I wanna follow up on. Uh, uh, Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti out of, out of LA, issued a new uh, rule for uh, construction sites, encouraging community to report safer at home violators. Snitches get rewards. If you see anybody that's working, send us a text at this number. He's rewarding snitches right now in LA, California, LA is doing this right now, which kind of validates what you were talking about. And then hydroxychlor uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, FDA just came out with a report yesterday, I don't know if you saw that or not, where they came out saying 
drug safety communication, FDA cautions against use outside of the hospital setting or clinical trials due to a risk of heart rhythm, rhythm problems. I don't know if you had a chance to read this. I thought it was interesting how they're talking about that. Yeah, it's, it's, isn't, it, isn't it ironical? They're worried about the heart arrhythmia things, but like, hey, let's shut down the whole world because it's an imaginary yeah. thing that you need to maintain six feet distance and hey, that's not enough. Now 13 feet, but hey, it's okay to go to the grocery food and um, stores and it's okay to get in a plane. You think people are sitting six chairs apart? It's totally ludicrous. It's the most absurd component. Now, one thing I want to mention to you, you talked about the mayor in Los Angeles. There was a mayor in Vegas and the mayor in Vegas was attacked by Cooper, by Anderson Cooper, because a mayor in Vegas said, go back and be opening the world up, opening the Vegas community up. And I commend her. That is the type of leaders that we need. The type of leaders that are encouraging people to go back, because again, they're fear mongering and there's nothing to fear. So go in there. And even if you go, even if you put people, there have been people in the other uh, third world countries that have said, I don't care about the COVID-19. If I'm going to die, fine. At least I'm, I'm going to die. At least I'm not going to die of hunger. Okay. So this is, this is the type, I, I want to make sure the people like that mayor of Vegas are commended. And, you know, you talk about people like Anderson Cooper. Well, you, you, again, look at his history. Look where he comes from. I, I ripped him a new one. And of course, I don't, I don't, who knows whether they ever read that. But again, look at that family. You know what, where his family comes from, right? Yeah, Vanderbilt, the brother. Uh, yeah, yes. Enough said. Yeah, there's uh, uh, lots of uh, interesting uh, when you, when you go study, that one goes into interesting places. Let's talk about the uh, last part about vaccine here. Then I got a couple topics and we'll wrap up. Uh, your best friend, uh, uh, one of your best friends, Paul Offit, right? A very good friend of yours. Somebody, uh, so before I, before I talk about him, I want to kind of read what he said. Uh, I think I have the quote right here. This is a man, just for full disclosure that people know out there, he's pro-vaccine. And he, be, he believes it's good for you. And he's a founding member of Autism Science Foundation. Go ahead. I just want to say that he has, I don't know, 50 million plus dollars vested in. I mean, that's, that's his reward because he does all the vaccine research. So he's, got a, he's massively biased. So just be aware of that too. He's had a lot of money he's made from vaccines. And, and injury I'm gonna, children. I'm going to read something that he said. I think you put this on your Instagram account. I believe that science should be accepted without question. I am a doctor. I'm a scientific expert. I decide what science is. You, on the other hand, are only a parent. If you don't respect my scientific and medical credentials or you refuse to follow my advice, I think the state should take your children from you. If he said this, that's ludicrous. But what do you have to say about Paul on an offer that we need to know about before I go into the next person I want to bring up? I don't even want to give his name enough credence i would like for anybody i don't care if it's him or any other idiot to try to come into my house and try to take my kids and i can tell you you'll be reporting i don't care what it is i don't care if it's 20 50 100 people patrick hopefully you'll remember me in a positive light and when you do my eulogy i will go i know i won't be here anymore but i can tell you there'll be some of those bastards that are going to be taken with me nobody's going to take my kids and i've said this for 20 years that if there's another civil war it will be based upon the issue of vaccinations. And it may be a civil war in every country. People talk about, do you think World War III is coming? I think World War III is coming, but I don't think it's going to be coming like people think. I think it's going to be a war. Of, on the, it, right now, this is an attack on consciousness. And I think the war will be within each country where there will be those that want the choice and those that are being forced to take the choice that are going to revolt. And I hope the people that are listening right now in that hierarchy, that you understand that if your agenda is population control, there may be lives that are lost in the next battle, but you are 
barking up the wrong tree because I have great, great confidence in the creator. I have great confidence in mankind and your nefarious agenda is not going to come to fruition. Did, by the way, did he actually say that? Meaning, was that statement actually made by him? That is a quote that was, I don't know where the source of the quote was. I actually reposted that from, um, from some other people that were putting out a, a documentary on vaccines. And they, you know, they, have, they don't put out stuff unless they've verified it. So, so, so for, for me, if somebody said that, I, I mean, I'd have a very big problem. Again, my, for me, it's just purely about choice. Absolutely. You cannot, for, you can impose any of your beliefs, philosophies to me. I am all good with it. You cannot force, that's why I'm in America, not in Iran. That's why you're not in Pakistan, you're in U.S. right now. That's one of the reasons why America attracts based on the Constitution. Now, I want to I want to give a complete different story. Last night, I was uh, uh, reading a lot on Rachel Carson. I don't know if you knew you, uh, uh, Rachel Carson, she wrote a book called The Silent Spring. I don't know if you've uh, heard of the book Silent Spring. She came from the standpoint, she got an award from Jimmy Carter uh, years ago when she came out against vaccine and she fully said this is not a good thing. Her argument was against DDT. I'll send you the link for you to look at. I'd be curious to, know, uh, to get your feedback on this. So she came out and she said DDT is not good, which DDT was a form of, uh, it's, it's tough to pronounce it. I'm not in the world to pronounce like 30 letters in that word. <laughs> but it, it, it was a cure they had for malaria that a lot of people were taking. And she said this could cause other areas of health, potentially autism, other items, right? That's leading into it. I'll put the article below for other people to want to read it. And then it created a ton of traction. The first book sold a million plus copies. Then she wrote her second, then the third book. Then it came to a point where DDT wasn't allowed to be used. They made it, uh, they banned it to use it. And then there was a massive uprise in malaria coming back again until they brought it back again. So the, the, the debate that goes back and forth with my peers who are pro-vaccine and those who are anti-vaccine and those who are saying, let me just choose, they come back and they say, look, 99% of doctors are pro-vaccination. 99% are pro-vaccination. And they bring up this article and they bring up stories of people that were against it. And when we adjusted, malaria came back and then we brought DDT back again. Malaria went away. We haven't thought about malaria for a long time. You know, if 99% of doctors are pro-vaccination, these are Republicans, Democrats, independents, white, black, UC Berkeley, liberal, Stanford, you know, different kind of places they come from. Why would majority of doctors be pro-vaccination and the small percentage be anti? Well... You're opening up a can of worms, so I'm going to, you open the can of worms, I'm just going to respond Please. then. One, we need to look at what the media is really reporting, what's really true or not. I do not believe that 99% of doctors are pro-vaccine. In fact, I know many doctors, hundreds of doctors, thousands of doctors that are not pro-vaccine. Okay, I can tell you that. Second, I have never said that I'm anti-vaccine. I have said I'm anti-stupidity. What do I mean by that? The modern vaccination schedule defies every aspect of human physiology. It ignores it. If, if you start with that premise, Patrick, that vaccines are helping people, then I'm going to ask you, I'm going to take you through this, through this. I mean, I've, I've brought this up so many times and I've, I've, it's been recorded, but I'm going to listen. I apologize before starting. If I start getting really, really angry and frustrated, I'm going to try to maintain my composure. We have a baby that's born on the first day of the planet. 
we know from immunological uh, studies, um, any immunologist that's been out there will say that minimum of six months before the immune system can actually mount a response. Some researchers will say up to two years. Some will say even it's 14 years of age before a child's immune system is fully developed. So we know that the immune response is not capable of even functioning till at least six months of life. Now we have a baby that's born on the first day of the planet and we give them a vaccine under the pretense of protecting them from some type of a disease, all right? But we're giving them something that is laden with immunosuppressives like mercury, formaldehyde, nickel, and we're giving them, so if, if our goal is to mount immune response, why are we giving them stuff that's suppressing the immune system? That's the first thing. Then why are we giving them something at the first day of the planet to create seroconversion, to create antibodies. Remember, the whole thing is based upon you introduce an antigen, a, a hapton, a foreign, something foreign, body sees it as foreign, creates an antigen receptor site, and from that uses it as a template to create an antibody. The antibody then goes out and creates, it, it's ready. It's, it's a soldier that's ready, trained, and waiting. And then when the disease hits, boom, the, the soldier is able to function. That's what an antibody is, okay? So now if we know that that process of developing a soldier, an antibody, is not, it's called seroconversion, that's not possible till the first six months of life because the immune system can't, can't function. So why are we giving vaccines in the first day of the planet when the immune system can't even convert till the six months? That's the first thing. Second thing is, if we really want to help these children and prevent disease, why are we giving them immunosuppressives? Because the whole purpose of a vaccine is to boost the immune system. Then why are we giving them mercury in there that suppresses the immune system? Formaldehyde, nickel. Why are we giving them mutated human cell lines? Why do we have all these ingredients in cells? Why are we taking these things and culturing them in, in, in with monkey kidneys and dog brain, all these weird things? Why? Okay, it, it doesn't stop here. It gets worse. Now, we also know that the natural way of the body to eliminate mercury is through the alimentary tract, through the gastrointestinal tract. We also know the first six months of life, actually the first year of life, the alimentary tract is not fully developed. That's why babies are, you know, dependent on mom's milk and formula, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we're giving them these things preservatives, all these things that are, again, we need the preservative for this vaccine, which, which we need to save the baby. Save the baby from what? From, from something that they can't even convert yet? They can't seroconvert? And we're giving them this mercury and the body, that's a natural way for the body to get rid of the mercury, can't get rid of it because that mercury is staying inside the body because the alimentary tract isn't fully developed. Okay. This really upsets me because I've, I've, I testified in front of Congress in 2004. The reason I'm doing this is because of my kids. My oldest son, Abi, is the youngest former witness before the U.S. Congress. So I'm just letting you guys know the reason I'm getting a little flustered. Now come back to vaccines. Let's just pick one. This, every vaccine is different, but let's just pick one, hepatitis B. Hepatitis B, you as a soldier got hepatitis B. Hepatitis B is given to people of high risk. They're given to healthcare providers. They're given to prostitutes for promiscuous, uh, because that's how it can be spread, and IV drug users. The, use, the reason they give it to soldiers and medics is because of the potential for exposure to bodily fluids, blood, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay. That's one reason healthcare providers get it. Now, we know that the typical response to the hepatitis B vaccine, it takes three cycles, and then every 10 years, you need to get a booster. But in actuality, if you do titers for antibodies and you see that they're present, then you need, don't need a booster, but that's what the normal regimen is. Now, baby's born. On the first day of planet, we give them hepatitis B. Three months later, we give them second hepatitis B. Six months later, we give them the third hepatitis B. Why? Because we want to protect them from hepatitis B. So are we really seriously concerned that our newborn baby is going to become a doctor or a nurse in the first 10 years of their life or a prostitute or an IV drug user? 
then why are we giving them a vaccine for something that is not anything to do with any any risk that the baby's going to have and giving it at a time when the baby cannot serve a convert. So I'm going to now ask you this question. And this is the last thing I want to say about vaccines. I don't think I need to say anything more, but I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever gotten in a plane and flown anywhere? Many times. Exactly. Would you get in a plane and fly if you were told that there's one in 32 chance that you can die or you can have some type of a permanent neurological impairment? No. Are you sure? Yes. 100%. 100%. Well, that's the problem with vaccines. That's the problem with vaccines. So let's back up for a second. God designed our bodies to walk. We walk. We walk from one place to another place. But man came along and said, hey, let's make it a little bit more efficient. So we came up with wheels. And then we came up with cycles and bicycles and cars and trains and eventually planes. Great idea. We made our transportation modality more efficient. Now we look at vaccines. God designed the body to respond to something foreign with the antibody response. We have the humoral and the cellular immunity response. Works perfect. Man comes along and says, hey, we want to enhance it. Okay, sounds great. I'm with you so far. Let's give an attenuated virus or bacteria or something to create a vaccine so that it gets into the body, then the body is going to be prepared. Okay, conceptually, I'm still with you, even though when you do this, naturally we don't get inoculated, we don't get exposure like this, we get it through our mouths. So that's how really, if you're going to make a vaccine, it should be coming through the mouth. But let's, let's put that aside for a second. So now we're going to get this vaccine and we're going to say our goal is to help people to get better. And yet, the studies are showing, and, and what I just explained to you, with all this, all this violation of human physiology, how the body works, what they're putting in the vaccine, all this stuff, when we put this substance into the body, we're causing one out of 32 children to be maimed or people to die. That's the, that's, those are old statistics. I think it's not one in 29. The Centers for Disease Control's own data, the, the CDC's own data shows that 1% of the world's population, they approximate 1% of the world's population is autistic. The world's population right now, Patrick, is 7.7 .7 billion. 1% of 7.7 .7 billion is 77 million people that have autism. And in 1991, when the National Vaccine Initiative started 29 years ago, it was one in 10,000. And then people said that's genetic. There's no such thing as a genetic epidemic. So when people start saying that, well, 99% of doctors are against vaccines, then they're nine, you're telling me by saying that, that they're saying 99% of doctors are idiots. Because I can tell you there are thousands of doctors that will not vaccinate their own kids. They will wait and they'll vaccinate later because they understand. Those that understand, they're starting to realize and they're like, I don't want to do this. I know doctors that have had multiple kids, their own children that have gotten autism. And they will now no longer uh, give vac vaccinations. So the only way that a person can justify giving a vaccination on the first day of the planet in the current way, the way that they're doing it right now with the mercury and the formaldehyde and with all these other substances, the only way you can justify it is if they're a moron and that they should lose their license or that they have lost all integrity and they are, they've sold their soul to the devil. That's the only way. You cannot claim ignorance. A doctor cannot claim ignorance. Dr. Buttar, who's the biggest voice right now for anti-vaccine? I mean, you hear uh, McCarthy, Jenny McCarthy, but Bobby Kennedy's one of them. Obviously, he went against Fauci just recently. But who, who are some of the bigger names that are anti-vaccine or not even anti-vaccine, maybe more from the educated approach of vaccine? So I will say it again. That's one reason I don't, I've never said I'm anti-vaccine. I'm anti-stupidity. And I just gave you all the reasons why it's so stupid. I think that Dell Bigtree, Bobby Kennedy, you know, uh, Dr. Sherry Tempany, 
uh, there, Dr. Judy Mikowitz now who was with Fauci. I mean, there's, there are many doctors, good doctors, medical doctors that, that know, researchers that know, and they've been outspoken about it. Truth about vaccines right now, the series that's going on where they've basically shown the whole history, everything is being exposed and they've done a great job. In fact, there's a website or there's a link I can give people and they can go and register and watch those videos for free. Can I give that out? Absolutely. We'll put, we'll put all your links below. Okay. Well, we'll it's ask. Okay. It's askdrbutard.com forward slash ask. And if they go there, they can get registered and watch the whole Truth About Vaccine series. I think it's only till like May 1st that they can watch them for free. Uh, all the COVID-19 conspiracy question mark videos, all five parts, the, the part three, four, and five that were taken off YouTube and Facebook, they're available. I'm going to have them downloadable so anybody can download them and put them anywhere. Part six is going to be released in the next couple of days. So all those things, including other resources, are all going to be made available. Uh, you know, you said something earlier. You said, if I were to go out there and uh, take me anywhere in the world, I'll hug anybody, I'll shake anybody's hands, I'll kiss anybody if they're attractive enough. You said, if something were to happen to me and if I were to get coronavirus, I have my own thing I would take. I heard recently a doctor uh, have a video go viral. He talked about uh, zinc, he talked about quinine, and he talked about tonic water. What, what is your opinion on that? If somebody does have it, what are some things you would take yourself as a doctor if you did end up having coronavirus? So I'll answer that, Patrick. Uh, it's interesting that you heard what the FBI did yesterday in Michigan. They raided, oh. a doctor's, they raided a doctor's office because he was doing IV vitamin C to treat coronavirus. So they came in, they raided it, and the end of the media's report was, we're not sure what the FBI is looking for right now. But they raided his office for doing vitamin C, and vitamin C has been given in China for coronavirus. So I, I, that's, this is what's happening. The Gestapo is, is moving forward. And this type of stuff is happening all over the country. And, we, you know, I just heard about this yesterday. In fact, my chief operating officer made sure he said, you know, don't say anything about how we treat people. And I'm like, I haven't said anything about treatment. We don't, we don't talk about it. We have patients from 93 countries that come to us. Our primary areas are autism, cancer, cardiac. Those are the people come to us. Take? What would you take yourself? If something happened to you, what would you take? I'm your, I'm your friend. We're talking. I call you and say, listen, man, I got this coronavirus thing, man. I'm really ticked off. I'm trying to do my best. What are you taking? What would you say if we're friends? There has been, again, more and more misinformation about this. And one of the natural things, in fact, you know, it's funny. I'm sure Bobby wouldn't mind me mentioning this. Um, Bobby texted me and said at midnight about a week ago, two weeks ago, and he said he, he sent me an article by a doctor that said, was warning, don't take trace elements, especially selenium. And he's on that and he's like, he's asked me, should I stop my selenium? And I'm like, no, why? And he sends me the the information and I was appalled by what I read the misinformation again selenium is like a birth control pill for viruses all right selenium is dirt cheap you can pick it up at any health food store selenium acts as a birth control pill I don't think there's anybody on this planet that has more experience with selenium than me well intravenous selenium than me I've been using it as a birth control pill for viruses for years okay for 20 years now selenium and there's many different our bodies have selenium our bodies need selenium in fact there was a study that was done that showed it was a 19-year retrospective study, and they gave people 200 micrograms of selenium, and then the rest of the, the other group, they didn't give them anything. And this was like thousands of people. All risk factors were the same. They didn't tell them to change any diet, change any lifestyle, nothing. Just 200 micrograms of selenium. So group one, 200 micrograms of selenium. The other group, nothing. 19 years later, they go back and they look at the statistics. And the exact numbers, I can't recall, but it was something like 19% of the group that had no, that, you know, no selenium 19% had, had cancer sometime in the last 19 years. The group that had been on 200 micrograms of selenium, less than 1% incidence of cancer. Now, you know what the conclusion of the study was? Further research needs to be done into the anti-carcinogenic effects of selenium. Who's going to pay 
to do a study, another study on selenium, which is a natural supplement. This is a type of mindset. Now, selenium also, besides acting as a, I mean, this all, there's all, I won't go into all the, all the functions of how it works, but selenium would be one. Silver. Silver is a colloidal silver, you know, any type, any type of silver. Now, some people say, well, that's, how can you say silver? Sil sil you can't, shouldn't use silver in the body. And you've got all these conditions that can happen. Listen, silver has been used in medicine for thousands of years. The Greeks use it. The Ro Romans use it. Even mainstream medicine use it. Silverdine, which is a topical component that's made at Brook Army, was developed at Brook Army Medical Center, Fort Sam Houston, at the Institute of Surgical Research, where I did my training, was developed there. World's leading born trauma center. Silver has been used as an antibacterial, antiviral, as an antimicrobial for years. That would be my second choice. Third, vitamin C. Okay, and then there's many other things. I mean, getting out in the sun is so important for vitamin D. Making sure you're resting, making sure you're sleeping, making sure you're well hydrated, a good broad spectrum multivitamin. For God's sake, go out and exercise. This is one of the best things that you can do. Suppression of, uh, of uh, the lymphocyte subpopulation, natural killer cells, B lymphocytes occurs from a sedentary lifestyle. I, I got something for you that I know you're going to appreciate. When they looked at the lymphocyte subpopulations, natural killer cells are something that when somebody has cancer, they drop, they drop. Na cancer patients have the lowest level of natural killer cells. And when they started going back up, alcoholics had a little bit higher levels, and then you start coming up into the people with different types of diseases, then you see normal people, and then you have professional athletes, and they had the highest level of natural killer cells except for one group of people. Do you know what that group of people that had the highest level of natural killer cells was? I do not. Soldiers. Really? So it's not just the level of fitness. It's the mindset. It's everything. Okay, just think of it as the gladiators. Because uh, soldiers are like the modern-day gladiators. So, so soldiers have the highest level of natural killer cells. You want to exercise, you want to get that going. And then the logical things, the basic things, Patrick. Wash your freaking hands. My kids, my sons, my 15-year-old son, Rahan, and my 21-year-old son, Abi. You know what they say? They laugh at this right now. I mean, they, they're worried about other things based upon family, financial things that are going to be, you know, that they, my son studies the markets and all this other stuff. But from a medical standpoint, they laugh. They're like, Dad, how is this anything different than what you've been telling us for 20 years? Wash your hands when you come to the house. Take your shoes off. I mean, it's a standard things. You know, this stuff doesn't leap 13 feet, 10 feet. If you sneeze and you, and you happen to have coronavirus, can the other person get it? Yes. But guess what, guys? I got news for you. Pretty much the entire world's population has been exposed to coronavirus. All right, and 99.9999999% of us are fine. And the, some of us that did get it may have had a cough, may have had a minor you know, congestion, may have felt lethargic, had a fever, and it's done. I'm telling you right now, the danger is not coronavirus. The danger is what's coming down the pipeline. Do you have an opinion on zinc, quinine, and tonic water or no? I think zinc is another trace element that may be beneficial if somebody's low on zinc. I don't understand about the tonic water. I have no idea. And what was the other one? Uh, quinine. Yeah, quinine is uh, you know, something that we used it for like when people have muscle cramps and there's, cer there's certain types you're going to use it. I, I don't think for – to me, the, it's very basic. I mean, I, that, that's, that's selenium and the silver and the vitamin C would be also what I would use not just for this, for, for any type of infectious process that somebody would have. It's the same type of thing. If it was bacterial, I would use some herbs. Um, with viral, I would – I may mean, use some of those herbs that would also enhance the certain types of things. So there's a lot of things you can use, but that's, you ask me as a friend, what would I tell you? You'd call me on the phone. You say, well, you know, I got this problem. That's what I'd tell you. Yeah, I, I, that was very helpful. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, final thing is speed round. Speed round is I'll give you names. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, a name. And then you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, Dr. Fauci, 
Treason. Tedros from uh, CDC. Can't comment. Don't know enough. Uh, Donald Trump. Doing the best he can. Andrew Cuomo. Idiot. Anderson Cooper. Liar and idiot. Bill Gates. The devil incarnate. Hillary Clinton. Criminal. Bobby Kennedy. Heart of gold. Governor Newsom. Is that the Connecticut governor? Uh, California. Uh, I don't know enough about that. If he, is he the same mindset as a, as a mayor in Los Angeles or shutting down? Yeah. <laughs> Enabler and facilitator of this facade, this hoax. Zhen Li Shi. Probably an innocent bystander who was just told what to do and did it and is, is, is a pawn. Omar Sharif. Well, I think you and I, some people have probably equated us to, to him, um, a stud. Yeah, I mean, you look like him. You know that. Though. I'm not the first person. You look like him, too. So. Yeah, yeah, you, look, you look like Sharif. I'm looking at him saying that this guy looks just like Omar Sharif. Uh, Doc, thank you so much for your time. And I got to tell you, if there's ever been a time where we need a few more rebels to be challenging and pushing and you're putting your license on the line, and that's a uh, very – uh, a tough thing to do because that's how you make your money as a professional. And I uh, respect you for being willing to get on here and share with us your thoughts on where we are right now. I'll give you the final thoughts before we wrap up. What's the last thing you want to tell us in the audience? I want people to recognize that if you allow fear to motivate you, by definition, you'll always be wrong. People have prayed for me and said many beautiful accolades. And sometimes I'm at a loss of words of how to respond to them because they're such generous words. But I ask people just to pray Pray for me that I do God's will and that my sword is swift and accurate and that everyone, every other soldier that's involved in this battle for mankind, for the future of mankind, that their swords are swift and accurate. My motivation is my kids. You can kick me out. It doesn't make any difference. I've already lived three wonderful lifetimes that's in this life. But my future of my kids, the future of their kids, the future of your kids, the future of everybody's kids, that's what we're fighting for. My license doesn't mean anything if we are ushering in the extinction of the human race. And that's where we're going if we allow all these things to continue unchecked. Once again, Dr. Rashad Buttar, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bid-David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.